0: We were, we were talking about uh, this series, um, actually, before Barry left, and this is the first time that, since I've been preaching, since I've been going here and that I've been preaching on um, Sundays up here, not too often, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's the first time I'm preaching as part of a sermon, as part of a sermon series. Usually I get up and, you know, I just do standalones, and they pretty much just let me say whatever comes out of my mouth, which sometimes can be crazy and scary all at the same time. And, you know, one of the things that he kept saying was, you know, just, just, just make sure, you know, you really connect back to, you know, what, what I've been preaching for the past couple of weeks. And I said, yeah, that can probably be pretty much summed up in, we're all sinners. There, there's three weeks worth of preaching all in one sentence, right? And, you know, we started, we started uh, laughing and, I said, you know, I said, here's the reality. I said, yeah, three weeks, we're all sinners. We're all horrible. You know, we all stink. And now we all feel really good about ourselves, right? We're really bad about ourselves. And Pastor Doom gets to go out to Colorado and hang out with his, you know, daughter. And while well, half of us are in counseling for self-esteem issues, and I have to come up here and give a Joel Osteen type kind of sermon to make people feel better about themselves. You know, and him and I just laughed. And, you know, he's like, really going to say that? That would be Cool like, okay, I'll tell it. Um, so, you know, we, we were laughing about that, but in reality, there's a lot of importance about what we've been looking at and what we've been um, hearing and seeing in scripture. And the importance is because I kind of stepped back and as I was looking at it, I thought to myself, what if What if all of this, and what if everything that we've been reading about and hearing about isn't really about us? What if what we've been hearing about, what if what we've been reading about is really, is really about God? What if it's not about what happened, but what if it's about who happened? Because when we think about it, if the story stopped right here, if we didn't go any further with the story, are you really inspired to change? Are you really inspired after hearing all the horrible things that we do? I mean, we're, we're evil people. We do evil things. We even invent evil that we really want to just stop and say, ooh, man, I'm, I'm terrible. I need to change. Are you inspired to change yourself? Maybe even more importantly, or less importantly, are you inspired to help somebody else change? And I just kind of like, mm, you know, but the good thing is, the story doesn't stop there, the story keeps going. But as we go through this morning, it's going to require a little bit of a different point of view. It's going to require a little bit of a, of a paradigm shift in the way that we see things, both from a mental standpoint and also from a heart standpoint. It's almost kind of, it's like this. My wife and I and, and our kids, we, we traveled out to Ohio for a vacation this past August. And, um, I know there are some of you in here that travel out to Pittsburgh. God bless you because you have to drive through God's country every time you go out there and back. Um, and, and that was tough. And you know, I only saw the trip from behind the steering wheel the whole way, and I only had one view of that trip. And it, was, it wasn't until we got back that my one daughter, my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, um, Julia had you know her kindle. the kids are in there, and they have their kindles and everything. and she started actually taking video of our trip. And she's sitting back there, and I I actually got to watch the video when we got home. And I got to see, you know, the the back of my wife's head, beautiful even from behind. You know, I, I got to see her, you know, view from looking at our other daughter and out her window. And I got to see the view from what she saw, you know, from behind me. and just It gave me a completely different point of view of the trip. And it gave me a whole new appreciation for what they see. And it was, it, was, it was just completely different for me. And that's what I hope this morning is, that we actually begin to see this story differently. So let me pray and we'll look into, the, into God's word and, and let him do what he does best. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your wonder, your glory. We thank you for giving us breath of life this morning. We thank you for being able to be here and worship you, Lord. We thank you for, for you. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would be able to quiet our hearts long enough to hear from your word. That, Lord, we would settle our minds and push away all the distractions that can be taking place to hear what it is that you want to say. And Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray. This is not my platform. This is yours. May these be your words. And so, Lord, from the humility and humbleness of my heart, may you just speak truth. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. We give you all the glory and the honor. Amen. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31 is where we are this morning. I'm going to be reading from the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, so I just you know, wasn't sure what version people had or worked from, so I figured I'd put the verses up on the uh, PowerPoint for you. So Paul's writing, and as we know, we've been hearing about how you know, despicable we are and, and, and we're sinners and all this you know, rough stuff about us. And then Paul picks up in, in Romans 3.21, and he says, But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. One of the beautiful things about this passage and that that I absolutely loved is because not only does the point of view for us get to change this morning, it starts right from the outset, right from the very beginning of verse one because it's been all about this stuff about us and how bad we are and all the bad things we've done. And then Paul says, but now, but now change your view. But now let's take a look at something different. But now... Let's not look at us, but now let's look at the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God gives us a whole different picture. The righteousness of God forces us from a mind standpoint, from a heart standpoint, to take on a different paradigm because the story begins to change. Because the righteousness of God points to who he is. And in a few minutes we'll see, it points to what he does. And things begin to change. And he says, but the righteousness of God has been manifested in you know, faith in Jesus Christ. And I started thinking about that, right? Because we have a tendency to throw the word faith around. You know, in church and in Christianity and just kind of, boo, boo, boo. we don't really think what it is. And when we stop long enough to say, hey, you know what? Faith, real faith, true faith, engages our mind It engages our heart and causes us to actually act in our will, on our will. And it's all three of those coming together. And he's saying, hey, look, but now, we're not going to look at the sin. We're not going to look at what happened anymore. At least not for right now, not this week. We're going to look at not what happened, but we're going to look at who happened. And who happened is coming screaming through the righteousness of God, manifested in the faith of Jesus Christ. For all who believe. And he keeps going. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned, a little reminder for us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we fall short because the comparison that we want to make, right? We fall short of God. We don't fall short of each other. We want to have that tendency to compare ourselves to each other. But in reality, we fall short of him. We, shall, we fall short of God's character. We fall short of, of God's creativity. We fall short of God's compassion. We fall short of God's patience. We fall short of God's love. We fall short of God. I told you you were going to feel really good about yourselves this morning. We, just, we fall short of Him, of His glory. but I love it verse 24 and are justified we fall short we're sinners we've sinned we fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ see we're declared righteous not by anything that we do or anything that we try to do because that in and of itself is a sin If I try to straighten myself out, I'm thinking about me, myself, and I. That's self-righteous. Only God is able to declare you and me forgiven. Only God can declare you and me righteous. And the amazing thing is, he does exactly that. He says, we're declared righteous. We're justified by his Grace as a gift. Nothing we can do can earn it. It comes through the redemption. That is Christ Jesus who, crazy enough, amazingly enough, he does it through his son. He puts his son on display publicly. As a sacrifice that you and I should have, should have be taken on. It made me think, couple weeks ago, um, I was taking my son, Caleb, to basketball. I can't remember if it was a game or a practice. And he's been studying astronomy in school. And they're getting ready to go over to um, uh, take a field trip over to the planetarium over at uh, CCM. And, you know, we we get talking about astronomy and the stars. and, And, you know, a lot of times we are, are fooled into thinking that the stars are named, you know, a lot of the names of the stars, Orion's Belt and, you know, the, all of the different things come from the Greeks. And that's where their, you know, their origins are. And I said, well, I said, no, not really. I said, they're actually in scripture. There's a lot of them in the Old Testament where we get some of our names. And the ironic thing is there are stars and there are constellations that are mentioned in scripture, which man has yet to discover. Mind-blowing, if you really stop to think about that. And then what winds up happening, I said, you know, Caleb, I said, he, you know, we, we start talking about how, you know, it really, the stars are named by God. Because God was the one that created them. And as it says in the Old Testament, he was the star breather. And he calls forth the stars by name. He's the one that names them. And then right about that moment, I had this, like, little chill that just kind of gave me his, you know, goosebumps and my hair standing up on my arms, you know, standing <laughs> Standing up, and, and, and I said, you know, I said, Caleb, let's think about this for a second. The star breather that can call forth them by name is the sin bearer for you and for me. I'm telling you, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, the next thing you need to do is check your pulse. The star bearer, the star breather became the sin bearer. He did what we couldn't. Because it's not, it's not what happened. It's who. It's who happened. So he keeps going on. Verse 25. He says, whom God put forward, meaning his son, Jesus Christ, he put him on public display as a propitiation by his blood. In other words, propitiation is he was a satisfactory sacrifice for the sin that we've been talking about for the past three weeks. He was the one. He satisfied it. He took on our sin to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Verse 25, the second half. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, in other words, forbearance, his patience, and it's patience beyond our comprehension because that word divine means it's godly. It's a a God-level type of patience that we can't even fathom. But it's because of that forbearance, because of that patience, he passed over sin, or I'm sorry, he passed over former sin, not forgot it, not ignored it, just passed over for the time being. And it was done because it was to show his righteousness at the present time. So that, and I love that word because it explains, it says, you know what? He did this because of this. So that basically says, it's like an equal sign. And it says he says he did this because he would become the just and the justifier. It's basically the idea of the just being God's character, who he is. He's just in every way possible. And because of his character, he's also the justifier. So it's who he is, and then it becomes what he's done—the just and the justifier. And then I love—I I really believe Paul's got a little sarcasm here in the in, in verse twenty-seven. He says as he lays out this beautiful thing of of beginning of who God is and what God's done for us. And then he asks this question, then what becomes of our boasting? Really? You want to boast? Boast about what? What? And that's where I start to wrestle with myself. That's where I start to have that internal conflict, that internal conversation, because there's so much about my life that I want to make about me, that I want it to be pointed toward me, that I want to say, you know, look at my deal, look at this thing, and I want to boast about maybe even what I'm doing for God. And Paul's asking, like, boasting? The guy that created the stars in the heavens... One who brought forth the son simply by speaking it, you want you want to boast, right? I, I don't think you want to go tit for tat with God. A little sarcasm in there for you know, kind of right sizing us, giving us a good perspective. And then the other part of it in there, and the last part that, that I like, if we skip down to twenty nine, and he says after these questions, he says, "Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God." is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith here's what paul is saying is when he says that god is one he's god for everyone there is no distinction he's talking about jew or gentile he's talking about circumcised and uncircumcised their contemporary is that he's he's the god for everyone He's the God for the rich, for the poor, for the conservative, for the liberal, for the man, for the woman, for black, for white, for gay, for straight. He is one God for all. He's not selective. It's because it's not what happened. It's because who happened, and who happened is God. Who happened is his son on the cross, sacrificed for you and for me. It's God who, as creator, loves me. It's God who is Savior, forgives me. It's God as sustainer, gives me purpose. It's God as King who gives me hope. It's God who's everything. He's everything. And when we stop, and we think about that for a second, and we let that sink in, and we let that settle down upon our hearts, we have to realize one thing, that the past three weeks have been about what happened, but now we're talking about who happened and who happened. It's about his story. It's not about you and me. It's about his story. And he's the main character. He's the one sitting center stage. It's about his story. It's his show. It's his history. It's his creation. It's his time. It's his everything. Because this whole deal is about not what happened, but who happened. And here's this crazy thing. He's God and we're not. I know shocking, right? But here's what's crazy. I'll let you know in secret. He invites us in to his story. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing. He invites us and doesn't keep us on the sideline of the game. He invites us not just to be out on the side of the stage, but to be up on the stage with him in the story as it's unfolding. And that in itself should give you goosebumps because it's not about what happened, it's about who's happening. And the who says, hey, you know what? I'm going to personally invite you to be a part of this. And what's even more astounding, what's even more mind-blowing for me is that he makes it personal. He makes it so, so personal that he would even tell us his name. It's probably like one of the first things that happens when you meet somebody. And it tells you the most about somebody is when they reach out and they tell you who they are because their name says so much about them. And it just reminds me of when this one time I heard Lou Giglio talking about it. He describes... The conversation that happened between God and Moses on the backside of that mountain through the burning bush, and He's trying to convince Moses, "I'm going I'm, I'm inviting you into the story. I want to be a part of. What, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And here's what I want you to do." And Moses is like, "I don't think so, God. You got the wrong person. I don't want to be." He says, "No, I got the right person." And when He finally gets Moses to the point of He convinces him. But he's going to go. Moses' question is Who do I say sent me? Who do I tell them is sending me? And he says, I am who I am. He's, tell them I am. And Moses is leaning in and he's waiting because this is going to be the first time God reveals his name to man. And he's leaning in and he's saying, I am. I am, I am Sam. And he says, no. He says, I am is my memorial name that will be known from generation to generation. And when you really think about it, doesn't it make sense that we would call God I am? I mean, from the Hebrew, right? Just really quick, I'm going to really kind of kill this. But from the Hebrew... It means breath of God, and it sounds like when somebody does the karate chop, and it's ha-ya, and it comes from way down here, and it's that breath, and it should come right from the, from the heart of who we are. Ha-ya. When he says, I am, and it makes sense because God breathed you and me and everything into existence. And he says, I want you to be a part because I am He says, I am the center of everything. He says, I am running the show. I am unchanging. He says, I am the creator. I am the savior. I am the sustainer. I am your king, your lord. I am over everything. I am enough. He says, I'm God. When I step back and I think about that, it dawned on me. And I wrestle with this. If he's I am, you know what that makes you and me? We have a name too in this whole deal. I am not. And that's scary. I'm not in control. I'm not the solution I'm not running the show I'm not all powerful I'm not all knowing I'm not a star breather I'm not even a sin bearer and I wouldn't want to be because I can't be I can barely if I'm honest hold it together long enough to be the dad to the two girls who knew how nervous I was going to be being here today dad you got this we got you pictures we drew you pictures you'll be fine I can barely hold it together and they're going you got this like no God's got this I can't even draw this good we think about that it right sizes God that's what it's all about it's not what happened it's about who happened it's about putting God in the right perspective and puts us in the right perspective it right sizes who we aren't it's not about our ministry it's not about our deal it's not about our show It's not about any of that. It's about putting God in the right size and seeing Him for who He is and how big He is and how grand He is and how powerful He is and no matter what is going on in your life. He's got you. He's got you. No matter the sin, no matter the list that we've seen for the first three chapters. He's got you. And He's embracing you. And He's holding you. Because that's what the cry is happening. There's people driving by this church right now that are wrestling with stuff, messy stuff. There's there's a world out there that's crying out. And the answer isn't you or me. The answer, when they cry out, who's going to help me? The answer comes back, I am. Who's going to hold me? I am. I'm pouring into everyone else. Who's going to pour into me? I am. I don't think I can take another step. I am. I don't think, I I just, who's going to love me? I am. Is there anything real anymore? I am I am is the, is the answer to the cry that we hear from our people and he doesn't leave us on the sidelines he's looking for ordinary people to jump in to an amazing amazing story and he wants us to be a part of it he wants us to do something and so while we were wrestling. This past week, a couple of weeks ago, as a staff, what we were going to do for Lent. God intervened. God stepped in and said, here's what I want you, Bethlehem Church, to do for Lent. This is the challenge God puts before us. This is God saying, it's not about what happened, it's about who happened. And it's about us being invited into his story to help him. If you would take out your bullets, And on the one side, you see this. It's the stop sign. This is God inviting us to be a part of what He's doing, one person at a time. And it's simple. It simply says, Stop one day one day a week and fast from whatever it is that you want to fast from. We're not telling you what it is. You decide that on your own between you and God. Is it food? Is it TV? Is it your phone? Is it whatever it is? Fill in the blank. Fast one day a week. One day a week during Lent. And while you fast, pray for one person that you feel needs to hear from God. And you know what? For some of us, that might be me. That might be you may need to hear from God. And it's okay. We give you permission to pray for you because we'll be praying for you. But pray for one person that you feel needs to hear from God and then go. Stop, pray, go. Obey God. Listen to what he's telling you to do and do. Whatever it is he's calling you to do. Because that is the invitation to be a part of his story. His amazing, big, grand story where he doesn't leave us on the sidelines. Because it's not about what happened. It's about who's happening. Won't you be a part of what God wants to do in and through you? Especially during this Lenten season. It's not about what happened guys. It's about who happened.